Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Dynasty Warzone, the People's Dynasty Podcast. And here are your hosts, Memphis at DFF Memphis and Jerry at Jerry Sin DFF. Hey, fellow Warzone listeners. My name is Zach Camps. Uh, I'm not golfing or slinging my hands a monster. I'm usually thinking about Dynasty Fantasy Football. A couple months back, I joined the Patreon just to take my Dynasty passion to the next level. And I'll tell you what, well, let's just say there's writer downers for days in the Patreon. As a member, you get access to the bonus pod where the guys take the filter off and talk about a wide variety of topics that maybe they won't cover on the normal show. You also get access to Memphis and Jerry for one-on-one advice, personal dynasty dilemmas. They'll tackle them for you, help you out with it. You just don't get that anywhere else. But I'd say my favorite part about the Patreon is the uh, the group chat. Tell you what, these guys are some excellent minds, tons of fun. The fire in there is amazing. Great platform to post trade questions, debate rookie values, share insight, interact with some cool people from across the globe. You know, Shout out to those guys in Australia. They're blowing my phone up all the time. You know, the best part is there's no Twitter trolls or Facebook trolls arguing about stuff they don't know anything about. So uh, if you want to enjoy your dynasty experience even more, win those championships, pause the podcast right now, sign up, and you can thank me later in the group chat. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday and welcome to the Dynasty War Zone, the People's Dynasty Podcast. And this week's show, man, we've got a real banger for you, a true rager. We have got Heath Cummings of CBS Fantasy Sports joining us today. He and I are going to break down our time together in the G.I. Joe division of the Scott Fishbowl. But before we get with Heath and bring him on the show, I've got to bring in my co-host, man. He's here. He's back. He's better than ever. He is Jerry Sinclair. He is the man of the hour and the man with the power. Jerry, what is up post-Scott Fishbowl? Listen, I it actually got done in this time. It, Day two, I did not think we were going to finish before October, but then the boys got a little bit of fire under their ass, and we just started firing picks off, and we we rallied to get it done. Good to be back, dude. I I couldn't I couldn't do the Friday show because the wife had to study for a test, and we only have the one computer. Kyle, in all of his majesty, did a wonderful job. It sucked. I was ready. I was prepared to sell Hakeem Butler as the great breakout in 2020 and i just i wasn't able to and i'm lying just for the record i was not going to do that and torture any of you with that 
Well, that's good, man. Yeah, Kyle was great. Uh, great guest. Just a, just a good dude, man. If you're not following at Kyle FF, fellas, I am ashamed of you. And uh, Randy will drive to your house and hit you in the head with a tack hammer. I, I, I will hit you in the head with a, with a steel pipe. Like Opie on Sons, oh, of, on Sons of Anarchy. Too did, soon. Uh, it's been a decade, brother. All right, man. <laughs> Speaking of shows, um, how excited are you next month to roll out your once-a-month endeavor with good friends Kane, Facel, Shane Hallam, and uh, Josh Dissinger? Well, I'm used to being the stupidest person on every podcast that I've ever been on, so this is just another one to add to the list. But no, I'm excited because I have a notepad in front of me. I've got the pen that you always see me chewing on whenever we do a show. I'm just going to be writing down so much stuff. I'm just going to let them do what they do because I'm just, I'm like a first grader. Like I, I can see that the color red is there and I know how to put the square inside the square in that little kid's toy. And these guys are off talking thesis and dissertation on guys from Northwestern tech, and I'm just going to eat it up. Well, I, I just, as I was reading this and thinking about everyone's home base and locale. Now, Kane is a Minnesota Golden Gopher. Josh is a on Wisconsin Badger. And then Shane is a Penn State Nittany, Nittany Lion. And there you are in Sparty country. So luckily with the Big Ten, more than likely going to do just conference play only. I think they did. I think they were the first ones to announce that. I, I, yep. thought, it, I thought it was the SEC. I had, see, this is why I need you guys. I'm not that patched in. To, to college to college football and and that's really going to be the premise of this show these guys Kane Josh Jerry and Shane they're going to be talking about mostly the the juniors and seniors that we could have on our dynasty rosters next year I'm just I'm happy to help produce this thing I'm, I'm happy to jump on with you guys um, and just be like that silent voice in the background like you always say you're just here to steal all the good good and all that information. That's what I'm going to do, man. I mean, when, when Shane and Kane and Josh and yourself talk about these college guys, I'm writing that down. It's not a mystery that we ask these guys to be part of our, our quote-unquote Devi team. These were some of the first guys we had as guests this year on, on the war zone when rookie season kicked off. And it, there, there's a reason. It's simple as that. And so, so be looking forward to that. It'll be once a month, August through January. And then these guys will continue to help us next year as we roll into uh, rookie season 2021, uh, whether we like it or not. And this year, more than ever, it's going to be important, especially with these hardcore Debbie guys like Shane and Kane and Josh, because, you know, Shane's been monitoring these guys since literally their junior year in high school. And he's going to have us patched in and he's going to be a huge help for our rosters next year. And then me... And uh, Jerry, you always said that you've wanted to hear me and Sal Lito on a podcast together. I, I did. I do. And it's, listen, the more people that are on podcasts from New York and New Jersey, the better. Uh, I, I could not agree more. I, I cannot wait to have the, 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 uh, the, the subtle tones of uh, East New Jersey. Actually, I think uh, Sal's from uh, Staten Island or Long Island. And then me. One uh, of the islands. Yeah. Many, many islands. And Listen, geography is not our expertise. It's, it's not. I mean, we, you know, when you have a shot glass of a brain like I do and you start pouring a gallon of information in there, there's going to be some spillage. So I'm trying to hang on to the dynasty and the fantasy football stuff. So geography, it, it had to spill out. So it's going to be me. It's going to be Sal. And it's going to be new member of the team, Dr. Kyle, uh, our doctor of physical therapy. He's going to be out there helping us with injuries. And Jerry, this show is going to be all about DFS 
weekly player prop bets. Uh, when we do the first shows in August, we'll talk about some season-long player bets, and then we'll talk about actual betting and sides and about how you can you know, continue to use that for roster setting. So whether or not you you use this information to actually make wagers. Like I happen to live in Indiana. We have legalized sports betting. I know you in Michigan either do or soon will, right? Yes, we do have it. Okay. We just, the casinos aren't letting us in right now. But, so, but, but, we, so we do, but we don't. But you can download, like I downloaded the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook app on, I think Saturday, they sent me like 50 free bucks or whatever. And I was like, okay. And uh, Jerry, I'm going to give away, spoiler alert, I'm going to give away my first player prop bet of the year are you ready oh boy involves baker mayfield are you ready okay i i know where you're going with this one baker mayfield's season passing yards total and not you only, bet over five thousand. i did not the number was actually 3899 and a half so basically 3900 yards or less i win my bet uh, of an undisclosed amount i actually posted a picture of it on saturday of the ticket if you will, because I'm that guy. If I tell you something on this show or I advocate something on this show or the betting show, you can bet your ass I'm, I'm putting my money on it. I'm money not just talks like, bullcrap walks, man. You know, as they say on the uh, Straight Out of Vegas podcast, one of the podcasts I absolutely love, they say cold cash over hot takes. A lot of people in this industry have a lot of hot takes, and that's cool. But they walk away from them like, uh, like vegetables on a plate at a restaurant. Uh, but... If I'm out here giving you my opinion, my advice, my stuff, I had better back it up. Like on this show, I advocate for Terry McLaren. Jerry, in every league we're in together, what wide receiver do I own? You got Terry McLaren. You got him in the Scott Fishbowl too, don't you? You're damn right. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. So that's going to be the uh, the, the gambling show. That'll roll out soon. Uh, we weren't able to live stream tonight's show because uh, didn't give uh, our guest enough warning. That's on me. Uh, I own that, and we're just doing audio, um, but there will be a live YouTube feed tonight. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday as we record, I'm going to be streaming live tonight with this week's Dynasty Happy Hour contractor guest. Uh, we'll be going over a team. We'll be covering some stuff. So we will continue the one stream a week. And then, Jerry, I am starting. Uh, I, w I wanted to do a, uh, an experiment. You know, you, you ever just want to do something different and try something? Yeah, but it scares me that you want to do one. Yeah, but but this is not like something weird like leather ma masks and, and, you know, like that kind of trying something. Like last week's? That was last week's? Th yeah, th this is not like a, I'm experimenting, I'm in college type of thing. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I had this epiphany the other day as I was drafting the Scott Fish Bowl and I was drafting a best ball under Scott Fish rules and just some conversation with our patrons. So I asked our patrons, so sometime this week we're going to kick off Patreon dynasty war zone six it's going to cool. be it's going to be super flex tight end premium uh 10 total starters uh basically my favorite type of this but i i want to do some stuff and that's what patreon.com forward slash dynasty war zone is all about it's a virtual room full of like-minded people and we're talking dynasty and i actually had one of our patrons i would say call me out but but he questioned my opinion and you know what? i have no problem with that he actually hit me in the dms he was like Hey man, did, did that piss you off? I'm like, no, absolutely not. You know, whether I'm right or wrong, I, I don't know, but I think I'm right a hell of a lot more often than I'm wrong. But I like that's the point of the Dynasty Warzone. That's the point of the Dynasty Warzone Patreon. I don't want to do your thinking for you, and neither does Jerry, because you don't want Jerry thinking for you, do you? 
Not not unless you want to hear about seventh century warfare. If, if I, you, I can do the thinking for that. If you're looking for some weird, really weird old school <laughs> history advice, Jerry's your guy. And I'm just busting chops, man. You're actually a very savvy owner and a hell of a trader. And that's what's going on at the patreon.com forward slash dynasty warzone. If you're interested, slide over. We, we do stuff like that. We're, we're creating leagues. Uh, I do one-on-ones with people. I actually call people. And I've got a 45-minute commute on the way home through the mean streets of Indianapolis. So, man, why just sit there and listen to a pod when you can talk to someone and you can talk through a roster, you can talk through a decision? Those are all the benefits of being a Patreon as well as the bonus podcast a week. Uh, remember, five-star reviews for both the Dynasty Warzone and the Fantasy Football Smackdown. Uh, get those in. Send those pictures to me or Jerry on Twitter at DWZ Memphis and at Jerry Sin DWZ. Or if you don't venture into the cesspool that is social media, cool. Go to DynastyWarzone at gmail.com or FantasyFootballSmackdown at gmail.com. We will be doing the drawing for the live, a live drawing, excuse me, for the autographed DK Metcalf jersey on uh, August 9th. And if you've already left a rating and review, cool. Go back in, re-rate the show, five stars, and instead of leaving the nice comments about Jerry's trucker cap or my beard, you can simply just put in your name or your email address or your Twitter handle so we have a way to get a hold of you. You can leave the nice comments and just add that, that, that contact info at the end, and we'll make sure to do that. You can also get a bonus third entry by sending us a picture on social media or to the emails of you donating your time, whether that's coaching, helping out at your church, just any anything of you expressing kindness in your community. Jerry, are you fired up for tonight's guest? You want to tell the people who's the guest tonight? We got Heath Cummings from CBS. We got a big fish in the pond today, boys and girls. I, I don't think we've, we've had some almost as big, equally as big. Uh, but man, Heath was a good get. And you know, Heath, we'll, we'll cover more of this in the interview with Heath. Uh, a little behind the uh, the curtain of how the sausage is made here, but Jerry and I have already recorded our interview with Heath, and then we're we're sitting here getting the open ready, and I can tell you that th- this is a great guy. I had the good fortune of getting pulled into an auction league with Heath earlier in the sp- uh, late spring, early summer. Uh, there was a bit of a rivalry developed, and then what do you know? Who's drafted next to me in the Scott Fishbowl? But Heath Cummings himself. I reached out just before the Scott Fishbowl. I was like, man, I got to get you on the show to discuss our uh, our interaction. But, man, he, he is uh, my father would have said he's good people. He's And it, it was definitely fun. This was my first interaction with Heath, and he is definitely a good dude. And and here's the thing about about this, this show is Randy is like a, a prison yard dynasty player. If he has never played against you, he wants to play against you. And if you're the big guy, Randy always wants to try and knock the big guy out. So he's always messing with Heath. You got you guys have your back and forth. It's great. Love it. It's 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 a fun show. You guys have a good time because it, it works out because you guys are back to back. So you you guys lived the same exact Scott Fish scenario all while I took a nap while we didn't draft, but three picks per day. I, I could not be happier. So yeah, you mentioned one of my rules. First of all, you're right. Much like in prison, you have to establish dominance. And I have a ton of respect for Heath Cummings and what he does for a living because he's damn good at his job. But, you know, I, I I was glad to be able to interact with him because you're right. That is my rule. 
that is my i have to you know listen cold, cold cash over hot takes we can all talk like we know but if you're in leagues with big dogs and you can beat big dogs you're good and you're worth listening to yeah and that's why i respect you and that's why i like doing it and you know w- w- when you're in a league with the, with the big boys you know you, you have to establish yourself and he was beyond good to us uh with his time and in the scott fishbowl man he he was a ton of fun he was a good dude um, obviously he's busy he's got a family he's you know dealing with everything we're all dealing with and he he jumped in the group chat he was an active member he's just a, a great dude but enough talking all this niceness about him let us just let's, let, let, yeah, let, let's let, meet let us, up on his fantasy team let's just go grab this guy let's get him in here don't forget to check out the social media at dynasty warzone on instagram on twitter you can catch jerry at jerry sin dwz and you can check me out at EWZ Memphis. Now, Jerry, let's go get this man after a quick word from our friends at Trophy Smack. Let's get him. Are you looking for a reminder of your fantasy football greatness? Are you looking for something to set your league apart from those dime a dozen jabroni leagues out there? Then head over to trophysmack.com and hook your league up with the best trophies in the game today. And not only will you get the best trophies in the game today, you can get a free championship ring up to a $59.99 value by entering in the promo code DWZRING. You pick out your trophy, which one do you like? You put it in the cart, you add the ring to the cart, you add the promo code DWZRING, makes the ring free, and your league is now a step above the league down the street so if you're looking for the best you want to be the best in the game you want to have the best league in town go over to trophysmack.com get that trophy get that ring use that code dwz ring and let's have a big season all right here he is joining us it is mr heath cummings heath is a senior fantasy sports writer for cbs sports as well as an analyst on the fantasy football today and he does beer and barbecue on Instagram at Heath's Meats, and he can be found on Twitter at Heath Cummings Senior. Heath, welcome to the Dynasty Warzone. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, you're the first person to say, Heath, please tell me about your Scott Fishbowl team. And so I was like, Yeah, I'll gladly come on your podcast. I've been just begging someone to ask me about my Scott Fishbowl team. Well, we're going to talk about this from a unique perspective. So you and I first met, I guess, during. Uh, around May, April, May, you and I were part of Auction Addicts 2 with John Bosch. John Bosch is a great guy who runs the Fantasy Cares Eliminators as part of the donations of the Scott Fish Bowl. And we were, I guess, somewhat heated rivals during that. There was a, a spat over Marlon Mack and Devontae Adams. Yeah, um, from what I recall of that time period, and this is from my perspective, so I'll let you give your version next. But from my perspective, I was forced into a uh, price-enforcing um, role at a certain point in the draft. There, there were only like two or three of us that were really paying attention, and a few players went way too cheap. And so I, I you only have so much money. You can't price-enforce everyone at the same time. You have to wait until there's like an hour left to see if anybody else is going to bid on that person first. And I think multiple times... I had, uh, the, the term we had coined for it was redlined you. When the timer got down to like 20 minutes, I had stolen someone that you were about to steal. And uh, you 
you you didn't uh, you didn't enjoy it. That that's a fair assessment. So this was like I said, my first, and I, I took this very seriously. So one of my I don't say rules because I don't have too many rules, but one of the things that I I told myself going into this off season is that. I was not going to do any startups. My new thing is taking over dynasty orphans that are just broken and trying to fix them. I was like, unless the startup includes people I've never had the, the, the good fortune of, of playing dynasty or any fantasy with, in this case, that included both yourself, Kevin Cotillo, and John Bosch. And this was my first real auction. I mean, I've done auction redraft before. And yes, uh, on MFL, I think it's the last five or ten minutes, you're your clock turns red at like the 10 minute mark. And I was like five minutes away from getting Marlon Mack at, at a really good price. And you were like 12 minutes away from getting Devonte Adams. At, I think you wound up still getting him, but you had to pay a lot more. And I was like, I'll, I'll fix this guy's little red wagon. Snipes me on, on Marlon Mack, lets me get within five minutes. And I was like, okay, cause you just freed up the money for me to run you up on Devonte Adams. Yeah, and I, I, I think I actually, got michael thomas in that league and didn't i almost had thomas and adams i think i didn't actually get adams and you still got mac for like 30 dollars more later i think you came out better on that deal and um yeah i uh that that was a really auctions are a ton of fun because you have no idea what's like with adp we can kind of guess what round someone's going to be drafted in or within a round or two Michael Thomas was like the seventh or eighth most expensive wide receiver in that draft. It was absolutely crazy. Yeah, it was weird because you could, it was, it was a six, it's a 16 owner team, a 16 owner league, excuse me, and one QB. And there in the beginning, you could tell it was auction form was new to a lot of people because there was a real feeling out because at some of the prices, some of these guys went for early in the auction. It felt like a steal. Like, I forget exactly what I got Tyreek Hill for, but I remember seeing later in the draft that DJ Moore went for more than he did. Um, Terry McLaren went for about the same. And well, you got Michael Thomas dirt cheap. Well, I've got it here. And I think, like, Thomas and Hill were two of the best buys. I got Thomas for $222. You got Tyreek Hill for 185 Devonte Adams was like one of the last players left standing uh, after our little spat, and he went for three hundred and sixty-five dollars, like almost the same as Hill and Thomas combined. It, it was it was a lot of fun, and it was a great learning opportunity. And then, as we transition to our Scott Fishbowl rosters, one of the things we're going to talk about tonight is the the fact that I didn't know this until the the, the league, I guess the official league fight came out that I was in the GI Joe division and I noticed you were right there and then you were drafting right behind me. D did you get a kick out of that too? I was like, not this guy again. Yeah, I thought it was going to be fun for sure. I was really hoping that I would snipe you at some point and you would like intentionally take someone that you knew that I liked just to get back at me so we could relive the Marlon Mack moment. No, what we're going to jump into all that in a second. Jerry, did you have any questions for Heath about uh, auction strategy or anything? No, I actually just did my first auction, a uh, friend of the show, Kyle from the fellas. And I, <laughs> listen, all, all the things that you guys are talking about, about inexperienced drafters, not knowing what to bid. That was me sitting there, not knowing what to do, sitting with my finger deep buried inside my nose, like a lost puppy that just didn't know what he was doing. Uh, and I, and listen, Heath, he's being humble right now. I've heard this story about this spat back and forth for, for quite some time. So I know you got to him. 
I know it hurt his soul, and that, and for that, my friend, I thank you. I, I, I will say this: I we we do a group chat. Um, uh, Jerry, our friend Kyle from the Fantasy Football SmackDown, the Aussie guys, we were talking, and we were talking about the draft. And when you took uh, Devonte Adams, a little spoiler alert to one of your picks in the Scott Fishbowl, I, I called that pick. I said he's going to take Devonte Adams because I know that he is super high up on your board this year. Oh yeah, he is. I actually have him projected for more targets than Michael Thomas um, to lead the NFL in targets this year. And I, I don't think he'll be as good as Thomas was last year because he's honestly not ever been quite as good as Thomas on a per target basis. But they just like all the things that I hate about what the Packers did in terms of Aaron Rodgers this offseason, you have to love for Devontae Adams. Yep. So I want to start at the beginning. So you and I, well, before I get it, I have a question for you. What made you choose GI Joe? Cause I, I'll tell, I've told before why I did. I took it because GI Joe just has like, it was, it was my favorite toy. I've always been a huge fan of the military. I've always, I guess I grew up in that generation of action movies with Arnold and Sylvester Stallone and it just really appealed to me. And my all time favorite Christmas memory, I've, I've shared this in the GI Joe group chat was that one year my mom found a storm shadow. It was one of the ninjas for those that don't know, uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. And at the time I lived in Muncie, Indiana, which was about a three to three and a half hour car ride one way to Louisville. And my dad drove, I guess about seven miles, excuse me, seven hours in a day just to buy at the time, what was a $3 action figure. So that's kind of the reason why I wanted to be in the GI Joe division. What made you choose GI Joe? It was definitely my favorite set of toys. Now, it, there's a couple of things here that like have lasted well beyond that time. My mom was notorious for getting frustrated with these toys when she was trying to put them together and accidentally breaking something. And so, like, we have a saying when people are opening packages during Christmas time: make sure you don't GI Joe it. And that still happens every Christmas with my family. Like that was how how many GI Joes I was opening on a yearly basis. Um, and then I always remember the commercial thing, the, and now, you know, and knowing is half the battle, uh, th that's amazing. Why, but yeah, yeah. GI Joe was amazing. Now, Jerry, do you want, first of all, Jerry, you tell Heath what, what division you're in and see if he's even familiar with this. I had to Google the division you're in. That's Randy, you embarrass me. I know I embarrass you early and often on this show, but the fact that you don't know what crossfire is, Heath. Please, for the love of all that is good, tell me you know what Crossfire is. Um, that was a show on CNN, right? Oh, you got not. I, I'm not talking. Not talking about the Raging Cajun. I think that was that show. Uh, no, it was uh, had little metal balls. Yes, and okay. like it, it's like a like a thing. like a weird hungry hungry hippos thing, sort of. I mean, except for eating the bullets, you're shooting them. I can tell you guys are Gen Xers though, with the, the with the GI Joe talk and not knowing what Crossfire is. I'm a millennial, so of course I know what Crossfire was. And I used to, unfortunately for my little sister, she would get stuck playing it. Otherwise, I would pick her upside down and carry her around the house until she cried and cried and cried. And then she'd play it anyway. So loved Crossfire. And then uh, the guys from the foot fantasy football fellas always had this bit where they would scream, Crossfire! And I just loved it. So the moment that I knew that it was toys, it was the only division I tried to get into and Luckily for me, sitting pretty. Now, is my team sitting pretty? That is a different story. Well, we'll bounce around. Uh, 
I'll, I'll start with Heath. Heath, what was your strategy going into this year's scoring format? Because it was so oddly skewed with the quarterbacks, with quarterbacks getting negative one point for a, a, a sack, negative four points for an interception, and then negative a half a point for an, an um, excuse me, a negative full point for incompletion and a half a point per completion. It was so oddly scored for the uh, quarterbacks. And then I, I thought it was running back heavy, but what were your overall thoughts going into the, the draft day? Yeah, like I really had pretty much thought I was going to be choosing with my pick between Travis Kelsey and Alvin Kamara. And so that was kind of the preparation that I'd made in my mind. And then Ezekiel Elliott was there and I, I didn't feel like I had much of a choice. As far as the quarterback going, I, I leaned a lot, and I don't generally do this, but I leaned a lot on past year's finish and per game finish over the last couple of years because I go through the projections process, but completion percentage is not part of that process. And so I didn't, I wasn't going to go, th- I, I didn't feel confident in my own ability to go through and try to predict completion percentage because I haven't done it for the last five years. So I kind of leaned on where they'd finished in this format in the past. Um, and then also, I, I'm probably always going to take a couple of wide receivers in the first three or four rounds and uh, hope this time their quarterbacks don't get hurt. Yeah, because you wound up with a couple of good ones. I'll, I'll just start with your, well, we'll say the first 10 picks. And a couple of them I knew. Um, a, because we have experience, and I'm not above. I mean, uh, I think it's Leo um, from the DLF. He talks about keeping a book on, on previous owners, and I kind of knew some of the guys I thought you'd be interested in. Like, I had read your tweets. I, I, I kind of surprised you didn't come away with T.Y. Hilton or Marvin Jones. Um, I was not surprised by your 10th overall pick, Gardner Minshew. I almost took him, but I didn't want to be that guy. <laughs> um, but, but your first overall pick was Zeke. Ezekiel Elliott, then you went Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Big Ben, and we did have a big quarterback run in the the the, the middle two somewhere around the end of round two through round four. There were a lot of quarterbacks that went. You took Darren Waller, uh, and this is a very tight and Scott Fishbowl for the my you know first three go rounds in this thing have been very very tight end heavy. Uh, James Conner. Daniel Jones, who I absolutely love, not only in this format, but in uh, fantasy in general this year, especially Dynasty. Hunter Henry, and I like that pick because you can flex one tight end as well as playing one tight end in your normal tight end spot. Michael Gallup, who I love. I, th- I think he's still going to put up a ton of yards this mm-hmm. year. I've, I've got him as the number two wide receiver still in Dallas. Uh, one of my bold takes is that Amari Cooper will finish third in fantasy points on Dallas's roster this year. And then the aforementioned Gardner Minshew. So just to give us a little bit about some of these picks and, and some of the, the things you saw going on through the draft. Yeah, there were two picks that I really regretted um, within a round or two of them happening. And, and one of them was in these first 10, Ben Roethlisberger. And you mentioned it. There was a run of quarterbacks from round two through round four. And I kind of wrongly assumed that that run was going to continue for a little while longer. It didn't. It feels like actually I picked Ben Roethlisberger and it just stopped cold in the track and everybody just stopped taking. That's why I was able to get Daniel Jones three rounds later. And I think in in a lot of drafts, um, in fact, Dave Richard, my colleague, took Daniel Jones one round before he took Ben Roethlisberger. 
So I got a little bit fortunate, the fact that Jones lasted that long, but I wish I would have waited a little longer on my first quarterback. I uh, actually took Roethlisberger one spot ahead of where DJ Moore went. Um, did you take more or were you picking before me at that point? Um, I, I know that before I get into DJ Moore, I actually took uh, Kirk Cousins in the, at the 305. And there are people out there probably like, what in the blue hell is this guy doing taking Kirk Cousins? <laughs> but I, I'm like you. I, I went in. I, the thing I was waiting for the most now, I had bought the, um, the spreadsheet, Addison Hayes of DLF and FF Statistics. He sells this thing every year, and I usually buy a handful of them. And it has all the, the scoring format, but I just like doing it on MFL. And I did some research, and Kirk Cousins has been the QB6 in back-to-back years in the, yeah. sc- in the scoring format. And even though Kirk Cousins had a historic low for him since 2015 with um, his production last year, in, in spite of all of that, he still finished as the QB6 in this format. So I knew he was much more valuable. And kind of like you, you and I both picked in the middle. I picked at the, the fifth overall pick in the first round. You picked at sixth. And I was kind of in that same boat where you are with the, the, the with Ben in the fourth round. And it was, do I need to do this or can I wait? Much like you in hindsight, I would have waited because I would have targeted Daniel Jones. But I did. I took DJ Moore at the 408. So I took him... Yeah on the way back that was uh you went ben and i went dj moore well and that was like what the thing that haunted me was with that particular pair i would rather have i think you took deshaun watson in the second round and i took tyree kill mm-hmm. and i would rather have deshaun watson and dj Moore than ben roethlisberger and tyree kill and uh, I, I was i was prepared to go in a different direction i was actually i kind of felt like like sometimes good, like fortune just falls in your lap sometimes. And I was not, I had no intention of taking Deshaun Watson when he, when he was there, but I, I couldn't pass him up. Yeah. I, I, I struggled with that one. And, but like I say all that and I, it sounds pretty negative. I'm pretty thrilled with the way the rest of it went. I kind of feel like I got a little bit lucky that I was able to get Waller, Connor, Daniel Jones, Hunter Henry in the next four round, like it, that worked out pretty well. Yeah, I, uh, I when I saw you drafted James Conner at six oh seven, I went back because I know I did not have a chance to draft James Conner at six oh seven. I looked and he went at four eleven in my draft, so you definitely broke my heart with that one. This is a good team, and you went super versatile. I, I definitely overloaded on running back early, and it set me back. My tight ends are a barren wasteland with tumbleweeds rolling across a desert road but no that's a good team and you you're versatile up and down i like it and i mean it it sucks to predict that the qb run's gonna happen and then you get stuck at the end and then it doesn't keep going but i mean it it, has been play 16 games you're not gonna be upset at that my man is gonna tear it up oh yeah like that that was one of the things the last time that we saw ben roethlisberger play a full season he was qb4 in this format so there's certainly some upside there that he just bounces back um and stays healthy all year and even if he doesn't i don't think my quarterbacks are in trouble i just think i gave up a little bit of value at the other skill positions well so i have been big on big ben getting off to a bit of a slow start but when you need him the most coming down that playoff stretch you're gonna like him so i'm from indianapolis i I live here i live through the andrew luck shoulder thing and I think they're going to ease Ben in. This is a great defense. And I think they're going to lean, lean on James Conner. 
and James Conner was one of the picks that you made that really made me cuss you. There were three. I, I wrote these down. One of them was the 607. You took James Conner. He was definitely in my crosshairs. Uh, I'm a big James Conner guy. Now, in Dynasty, which is our primary format, he's a guy that I'll be looking to sell around weeks five or six because he is going to get off to a hot start, in my opinion. Again, they're going to want to take the ball out of Big Ben's hands a little bit and let that elbow work its way in a little bit more gradually. At least that's my opinion. So that was one. The other one was the 807 when you took Hunter Henry. I was like, okay, there's no reason he would take you know this guy here because you already had Darren Waller. And I was like, okay. And then sure enough, you, you got me there with, with Hunter Henry. So that was the other one. And the, uh, the third one, believe it or not, was Carrion Johnson. Carrion Johnson, I, I drafted DeAndre Swift way earlier in the draft. I think I got him in the, yeah, it was the fifth round. And I was going to get the stack, so that way I could have carry-on early, DeAndre late. And those were the three that had me uh, cussing you a little bit. You redlined me again. Well, good. I was hoping. Okay, that was exactly <laughs> what I was hoping was happening, so <laughs> fantastic. Were, were, were there any picks that I got you on? Um, anyone in particular that you were like, uh, like I took Terry McLaren at the 705. I was very happy about that. He's arguably my, 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 my favorite young player in the league right now. Um, and anyone in particular, like uh, I was happy to get Hawkinson. I think Hawkinson at the 1105 was one of my better values. And then I, a guy that I love this year is Greg Olson. I think Russell Wilson is the tight end maker. I don't think guys like Will Disley or Jacob Hollister, I don't think those guys are super talented. And I don't think Greg Olson is going to ride out his final year or what could be his final year playing the backup to a couple of younger guys. So I'm really hoping that Greg Olson gives me a couple of good games to get the season started to allow me to see what Hawk and uh, Sternberger are going to bring to the table. So I, I didn't get a chance to ask you, but how are you feeling about Olson this year? Uh, conflicted. That, that, but, that's fair. Yeah, I think the opportunity is outstanding. I would definitely say the Hawkinson's pick um, got me just a little bit. Uh, Antonio Gibson, I thought was a really good pick a couple rounds later. And I think there was one more later. I'm trying to remember who it was. Like the thing is like you get past round 11 or 12 and you really shouldn't complain about people sniping you because you've had 11 or 12 opportunities to draft that guy. You should have just probably taken them earlier. It was Reichwell Armstead. Um, I don't feel confident in at all in what Jacksonville is going to do with Leonard Fournette. And I don't feel confident if he feels like they're just using him up and not going to pay him that he's going to be on the field on a weekly basis. So Armstead is one of my favorite late round picks. And I was definitely planning on taking him right before you did. Yeah. I, I just, I, it, it's one of those things that's possible versus probable. Is it possible Leonard Fournette gets traded before the season starts? Sure it is. And there's a lot of teams with, you know, obviously COVID. And I, I probably overdid the running back position a little bit. Um, I only walked away with five, uh, six wide receivers total. And I walked away with double-digit running backs. And I just feel like in this COVID season, with not knowing what's going to happen and if a, a player were to get it and miss a couple of weeks, that – I wanted to have all the depth that, that I could. And the Antonio Gibson pick is going to look a little bit better now after news that um, 
Oh, the uh, other wide receiver. Tore Kelvin his, Harmon. Thank you, Kelvin Harmon. My, my 18th round pick in Scott Fishbowl. Uh-huh. Well, wa- wa- waivers are running soon, Jerry. Write that down. Yeah. So, so Heath, we, we've talked about our rosters a little bit. I do want to know about Gardner. You're a big I, – I knew you were a big Gardner guy because I was uh, – I was spying on you a little bit. I was watching Twitter, listening to some stuff that you had uh, talked about. Um, you were the number one guest on the Scott Fishbowl Potathon with uh, our buddy Sal, uh, soon to be uh, co-host. Sal and I are going to be doing a show together this fall, and uh, I knew you had a big thing for Gardner. What are you seeing for Gardner in 2020? Yeah, and I want to clarify because I know you guys do a lot of dynasty. I'm I'm a bigger fan of Gardner in redraft than dynasty because I'm afraid that Gardner could be acceptably good and good for fantasy this year, and they could still win two games and be forced to draft a quarterback next year. Um, but I think he's in a situation where he's got an offensive coordinator in Jake Gruden. That I mean, this guy led Kirk Cousins and Andy Dalton the three straight top five, top six fantasy seasons. He's going to probably have 620, 630 pass attempts because their defense is not very good. They added LaVisca Chenault, Chris Thompson, Tyler Eifert, three guys that they've got injury risk. They've got question marks, sure, but they're upgrades respective to what they were replacing in that offense. And he was a borderline QB1 in his starts last year. So the fact, it feels like everyone set his ADP way back in March when we thought they might sign Jameis, they might sign Cam, they might draft competition, and they did none of those things. There's nobody that's taking the job from him unless he's just absolutely awful or gets hurt, and he's still being drafted as like QB 25 for some reason. Yeah, and and I, I agree. I mean, that's the classic fantasy football combination. A good offensive coordinator, and not every, like Pat Shermer is another example of this, much like Jay Gruden, is that not everybody's cut out to be Batman. Sometimes you're Robin. And even though Shermer and Jay Gruden weren't great head coaches, they have produced great fantasy results for, for many, many years. And when you have the combination of a good offensive coordinator, upgraded weapons, and a horrible defense in, in a division that's full of what could be potentially three playoff teams with the Colts, the Titans, and the Texans, this team's going to be behind a lot, and they're going to be putting the ball in the air a lot. So I, I didn't disagree with the Gardner take, but you're right. He is going to be put in a very bad situation in the draft next year because if this team, Jacksonville, has the lowest over and under win total in Vegas, I think it's four or four and a half, and he's you know if they wind up with the number one overall pick or a top three or four pick, he's going to have to dodge Trevor Lawrence, he's going to have to draw uh, dodge Justin Fields, and he's going to have to dodge Trey Lance. So he's probably not that good of a dodger, like a dodgeball with Patches O'Houlihan. Pretty shifty last year, getting away from the pass rush. It's the mustache. It's totally the mustache. <laughs> so, so, so we've talked about our teams a little bit. I, I do want to ask you about Steven Sims. We mentioned the Kelvin Harmon ACL. Uh, you stole him. Now, I think you stole him in the 20th round. I felt like I stole Russell Gage in the 19th round. Anything on those two guys? And then you and I can take turns making my co-host here a pinata with his team. Fantastic. That sounds like a lot more fun than talking about my Scott Fishbowl record. Uh, yeah, I think, listen, Stims is a, was a bit of a question mark for me before the Harmon injury and still is a little bit of a I'm. I like it in season and while it's happening, when receivers get a lot of production in the run game, that type of thing doesn't often transfer year over year. 
Um, and so I'm a little skeptical of what he did over the last quarter of the season, but in round 20, I absolutely loved it with Sims. I think Gage has a much safer profile. I'm not sure he has quite as much upside. Like I think Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley could get hurt, and I'm not sure Russell Gage changes very much. But he can absolutely fill that Muhammad Sanu role. And like if he does that for 16 games, he's probably going to be a top 40 wide receiver. I agree. And and then you mentioned Washington real quick. So their new offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, who I'm a big fan of. I mean, he was a guy who force fed DJ Moore 135 targets last year in basically 14 games because DJ Moore left in like the first drive of the game against the Colts. But the Carolina Panthers last year under Scott Turner, they passed the ball 633 times and now he's calling plays in in Washington, and I I love that for Steven Sims. I was big on Steven Sims coming into this year, and obviously I don't ever want to root against anyone or root for injury, but if there's anyone who's going to be a primary benefactor because of that, if it's not Steven Sims, another name that I'll throw out there is like a late-round flyer could be Antonio um, uh, Gandy-Golden, the other wide receiver they, they got real late in this year's draft. But we, we've talked enough Red uh, Washington as it were, the to be renamed soon. But let's talk about Jerry's team for a minute. So, Jerry, you you took Dak Prescott at the 109. Yeah, and I didn't plan on that at all. I sort of did the same thing last year. I had the 106, which I think is what Heath had this year, yeah. Um, and I ended up getting Travis Kelsey. It worked out. I got to the conference finals after the first year I did it in 2018, where I absolutely crapped my pants and did nothing in that year. So I got to it. I was not planning on taking a quarterback at all. And I looked and Dak was QB two in scoring last year. I think he was six or seven or eighth overall something. And I was like, you know what? We'll just, we'll just do this. We'll get it out of the way. Cause I'd looked at the scoring, Randy, you, I mean, you gave me every sort of stat imaginable that anyone could do to be successful in this league. And I knew that people were going to underestimate Derek Carr and I knew I could get Derek Carr. So I was like, I'll take quarterback. I'll get Derek Carr later and I'll just pile on running backs. And that's exactly what I did. I had a weird, I had my chance at Nick Chubb or Joe Mixon at 204. I went with Joe Mixon. I don't know why. I, I've, we've sat here doing this show, and I have said some horrible, mean things about Joe Mixon. But that's who I went with. And Heath is going to tell me some horrible, mean, evil things about Leonard Fournette. I took him at 309. And then I just swung for the fences with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, in the fourth round. Then Derek Carr. Still no wide receivers because I am disrespectful and hateful towards that position when it comes to this format. Ended up with OBJ, went with my my man Darius Geis in the seventh, and then I just started firing wide receivers off. Tyler Boyd, Michael Gallup, Christian Kirk. I, I really wanted Tyler Higby. I went into this draft knowing I was going to swing for the fences with him too and just hope and pray and plea that those last five or six games could just be even halfway repeatable. I waited too long and that was a poor choice. And then I was, you know what? I'm going to go with my man, my, my Detroit lion, TJ Hawkinson. If, if I miss out on Higby, <sighs> don't you know, I missed on that one too. So my tight end position, gentlemen, Chris Herndon, Greg Olson, Darren Fells. It is rough to say the least. You, uh, you, you you took some big swings there, but I, I want to get Heath's opinion on Joe Mixon, um, maybe a little bit for 2020, and then anything on a dynasty uh, outlook on Mixon. As a, I like the talent. I just think Cincinnati's where good things go to not do good. Yeah, I just 
I'm always a little bit confused by the way everyone else seems to view Joe Mixon in the way that like I understand the talent coming out, but when he's not played, Giovanni Bernard's been just about as good or better. Um, I don't think they're going to use him in the passing game as much as we would like for a top 10 running back. And they've made that pretty clear over and over and over again. And I'm not convinced that their rookie quarterback is going to immediately make everything better. Joe Burrow was awesome last year in college, but it was also the only year that he was good in college. And most rookie quarterbacks are bad. So Mixon's not a top 10 running back for me. I would have taken Chubb in this format and a handful of other guys. But everybody else in the universe seems to think that Joe Mixon's going to be a lot better this year than I do. Well, uh, spoiler alert, because we've been doing a series on Fridays. We've been calling the three-team parlay where we've been taking a team from the top third, the middle third, and the bottom third of scoring from last year. And one of the teams we're breaking down this coming Friday is Cincinnati. And, and you and I are in total agreement. So over Joe Mixon's career, he's averaged three targets per game in a 44-game sample size. And last year, under first-year head coach Zach Taylor, he averaged 2.8. And, and that makes me makes me very nervous at that cost. I mean, at that point, I could probably get a Derrick Henry or even a Leonard Fournette around later and get similar production. And, and you could have squeezed in maybe a, a different running back there. And like last year, if you go back to a points-per-game basis, I think Joe Mixon, if I remember the stat correctly, scored two-tenths of a point more in full-point PPR than Devonta Freeman last year. And it wasn't like Freeman was setting the world on fire. He just has a much safer pass-catching floor. So you and I are in to – Jerry, I'm sorry. If me and Heath are just taking – li Listen, when I, when I was saying it, I was not super excited about it either. I think it's because I don't have any Joe Mixon, and I think the Scott Fishbowl is time to do crazy things. So I was like, you know what, we're we're living on a prayer here. Well, I got, I got got a couple more for you, Jerry. So I noticed that you got Darius. You had to you had to get Darius guys around earlier than I did. You got him at seven oh nine. I got him at eight oh eight. So I got. I'll value. always take Darius guys earlier than you want to take Darius and, and, guys. And then you got Michael Gallup two rounds uh, earlier than than Heath did. So there's there's obviously some some commonality throughout your draft, Jerry, but. Overall, I think you did okay. You guys hammered the wide receiver position. Did I not get enough? I walked away with six total wide receivers. We have in this format, you have to start three. So my three starters would be uh, DJ Moore, Terry McLaren, and Devontae Parker. I did get uh, Golden Tate mixed in there. I've got uh, Russell Gage, and there's one other guy. But did I get enough, or or did I go too crazy? with running backs. Heath, you were in my division. Did, did you think, is this guy going to take anything beyond running back? I, I didn't think that as it was happening. When you just told me your receivers, I thought, you know, you've got a solid number one. You got probably a low end number two, but a, a good number two. Fine. Number three. I don't, maybe you should have taken one more bench wide receiver. Maybe yeah. you're a little bit thin, but I, I don't like, you're going to be able to find wide receivers on the waiver wire. As weird as the Scott Fishbowl waiver wire is, you'll find them. And and one of the, the bigger steals that I think I got in this draft was Jalen Richard at the 2105, the second to last round of the draft. I mean, we saw last year what this guy and uh, former teammate DeAndre Washington was able to do 
when Josh Jacobs missed a few games there toward the end with a shoulder injury. And, and you know, as, as a dart throw in the ter- 21st round, I, I did not mind it. But so, so there's a recap of our Scott Fishbowl. I want to ask you a couple other things before we let you get out of here. Um, I saw you retweeted on Tuesday uh, a tweet from our friend Scott Fish, the, uh, the, the man who puts all this goodness together, about an NFL executive saying that he is very concerned about not having a plan as this thing moves along. Are, are you starting to get nervous about the NFL not having a season or at least a delayed or truncated season? I'm not really worried about that. Um, it seems like the two parties are not very interested in getting things decided in time to start camp on time. And one of the things I've been worried about this entire offseason is what does this um, no OTAs, no rookie camp, shortened preseason, probably shortened training camp mean for the rookies? And so that's kind of, that's probably as far as my concern is going. Maybe also you'd have to consider the new coaches because they generally get more time and now they've got even less time than they normally do. Maybe the receivers that are changing teams and have to develop rapport with those quarterbacks. Um, but I do think it's seeming more and more like not only are we not going to have OTAs or rookie camp, we're probably going to have a shortened training camp as well. It. It makes it interesting for zero running back because you you might have a better chance starting the season with the Damian Williams, a Marlon Mack, a carry on Johnson, those kind of guys the first few weeks. And then hoping one of your Tony Pollard, Chase Edmond, Alexander Madison handcuffs hits. Yeah, and, and that's something we've been talking about in the three team parlay series is that. You know, this the exact same guys that that you just mentioned. It it feels like the season will start with the veterans, and all those veterans, a lot of those guys you mentioned, will be free agents next year, like Marlon Mack. If you don't think Marlon Mack's going to come out not playing like his hair's on fire, you're kidding yourself. He knows that he's playing more than likely for his next contract on another team in 2021. So yes, a lot of these veterans that are getting, I don't want to say swept under the rug, but are going to have significant value in redraft and in a tournament format like the Scott Fishbowl are going to have a ton of value. For me, as it relates to the season, I I think the NFL will continue to win with things like the NBA getting ready to restart and Major League Baseball getting ready to restart. I think the I don't want to call them minor league sports because I'm a big MMA guy and I I love the game of golf, but they've been fortunate to see how these guys have in these leagues have handled COVID, and now they're getting ready to get their big three brothers, if you will, with the NBA and Major League Baseball, and they're going to get the opportunity to see some of the protocols that they've been able to roll out. I mean, this past weekend, the the UFC was able to save their main event on six days and get a fighter to Abu Dhabi in time to, to save their main event. And then now they're watching how the NBA, with the bubble in Orlando, how they're dealing with a superstar having COVID in Russell Wilson as the season's getting started, you know, I think right now what the NFL and the NFLPA is dealing with, they're in that fear stage. They're not quite sure what everything is, but they're going to continue to have the good fortune of, of seeing how this goes. Jerry, are you concerned about the season at all at this point? I am not going to hold my breath at this point. The problem is, is I commit too much of my life to just loving everything about football and I get super excited about I'm like a little kid. And it's like when you're going to go on vacation the next day and you know you have to wake up at five in the morning and you just can't fall asleep that night before. 
That's what the day before football does. And even if it's the Hall of Fame game and I'm going to watch guys that I'm never going to see ever in a in a real NFL game, I get super excited. So I'm just I'm just going to try and pretend like it's not going to happen and I'm going to be super unbelievably pessim- pessimistic up until that point and then I'll just be relieved and it'll be a joy if I do get it. Hey, college football seems like it's probably not going to happen. That's tougher. The good news is the NFL has ungodly amounts of resources to make whatever they need to happen, happen. Yeah, and, and the, the fact that the players are basically business partners, for every dollar the NFL lose, loses, the owners lose 50 cents and the players lose basically 50 cents. So they're all in business together. I think that's more of the reason why the NFL season, much like the NBA season, will go forward. We just have to have the faith. I, I want to, Heath, I want to hit you with one last thing before we get out of here. I want to know about your love of two things that I love. I, I'm, I'm more of the barbecue guy. I'm the, I'm the gym rat of this podcast, uh, uh, and I love protein, but, but your, your Twitter handle talks about barbecue, and my co-host, he loves beer. So tell us a little bit about your love of barbecue, baby. What kind? Are you a KC guy? Are you a Texas guy? Are you a Carolina barbecue guy? And then about your uh, beers of choice. I am uh, I'm definitely a KC guy. I was actually uh, lived in the Kansas City area the first 36 or 7 years of my life. So uh, definitely lean that direction. I um, I probably smoke meat 2 to 3 times a month. Uh, general, a lot of, a lot of pulled pork, uh, brisket every, every now and then some wings, um, really oddly, I I'm pretty good at brisket and burnt ends have never done ribs as well as I'd like to. I feel like that's the one thing that people that don't even do it very well are pretty good at. So I don't know why that is as far as craft beer goes, my wife and I, that kind of turned into our hobby. Like we would go on vacations. We went to Charleston and uh did 14 breweries in four days and we went to tampa for my 40th and and did like 12 in three days and we just like going and tasting different types of beer and um there's a growing group down here in south florida that actually started in kansas city again with boulevard brewing but uh yeah craft beer and barbecue what's better than that uh, nothing man I'm, I'm hungry just listening to you talk about that brisket man i, I love I love a good brisket. And Jerry, are, are you a craft beer guy? I know you're a beer guy for sure. Last weekend, excuse me, last week when we were recording, you almost spilled your beer. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I'm hiding behind my microphone to drink a beer every once in a while. Uh, nothing craft right now, though. I don't like to do it. I don't want to get too turned up while I'm talking to Randy. I got to keep it at least, you know, PG-13. Uh, well, Michigan is great for craft brews. I mean, we got shorts and we got bells and we got dark horse and we got all sorts of great stuff so heath listen it's not south florida don't don't get it twisted michigan is not south florida but the west side of the state is gorgeous tons of them should you ever come up here i promise you lake michigan is a place you want to see in the summertime i actually have a trip mapped out for uh, spring of next year assuming that we're allowed to go places and do things by then right um where we are planning on going through uh, Asheville, North Carolina, to go to Brewdog there in Ohio, going to uh, Founders in Grand Rapids, and then Bells, and then hand- heading back this direction. So if, if I'm allowed to actually do that, I'll be asking for your uh, recommendations in the area. No, love it. And uh, 
That that is a true pet. That's not even a passion. That is a commitment, my friend. That is going all the way across the country for some beer. It warms my heart, is what it does. <laughs> well, I, I I'm unfortunately the odd man out on the craft beer. Uh, I'm not a big beer. I'm a bourbon guy, and I guess being just north of Kentucky makes that make sense. The only craft beer the my uncle by marriage, he drinks a lot of dogfish. I think it's dogfish IPA. And then one of the first podcasts I ever listened to about six or seven years ago was the uh, former pro wrestler Stone Cold Steve Austin. He has his own IPA that he uh, he shells like none other on his podcast and his uh, his Instagram. So I know he's got an IPA. Um, But on that trip next year, if you're cutting through Ohio and you happen to be in the Indy area, uh, Heath, you can hit me up. We can uh, grab a beer. We got a couple of local breweries here in the Indy area. But man, I appreciate your time. What's going on with CBS Sports? How's your guys' coverage going right now? And uh, light of COVID, I know we're all doing a lot from home right now. So how's things going for you with uh, your fantasy content? It, you know, it's gone good. This is the first year I've not done baseball, so we've really expanded our dynasty coverage. When I started at CBS five years ago, they would maybe do a dynasty mock once a year or twice a year and and now we've got dynasty rankings we've got tiers we've got trade charts we've got multiple mock drafts we get prospect profiles for the rookies we're doing a lot more dynasty coverage and i want to clarify i also like bourbon a lot as well so i'll take all the bourbon recommendations while you're at it all right well i'm I'm mostly just a generic maker's mark guy the maker's mark 46 i believe is is the small batch they they put out now uh, i I live in in, uh, the the suburbs of indianapolis just north and there is a liquor store just down the street that's got some of that real good pappy van winkle so if 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 for some reason you do make it through maybe we can uh find a reason to uh to uh make that happen but man I, I, i like yeah i like the makers i uh because I moved to Florida, for some reason, Bullet is like $8 cheaper than everything else here. I don't know if they have some sort of relationship with the state of Florida, but I've become a Bullet guy in Florida. Uh, my my neighbor and a good friend, uh, she turned me on to Bullet. Uh, her and her husband are, are big fans. So uh, bourbon's been my thing. Uh, obviously, Knob Creek's not bad. There's there's a bunch of small you know small craft stuff out there. The one that I've always been dying to try is Pappy Van Winkle. Um, it's a it's a legendary distillery down there in Kentucky. Uh, I've yet to make the trip to the Maker's Mark Distillery, but it's definitely on the bucket list, man. Yeah, for sure. You well, guys have more chest hair than I could ever imagine to have. <laughs> it, it goes back to being Generation X, Jerry. It's true. It's true. We're t- soft. Millennials like you are the reason why guys like <laughs> me and Heath have to drink bourbon. <laughs> Did, did, did you know that, Jerry? <laughs> it makes sense. It, it makes sense. Well, listen, after about 45 minutes with you and me, Heath is probably going to go need to pour himself a, a little bit of bourbon. But, Heath, I want to thank you again for being generous with your time. We know you have a lot going on, a, a family and work of your own. But, again, thanks again for jumping on with us. Hey, thanks for having me. It was a good time. All right, man. We'll talk to you real soon. And I'll, uh, I'll look for you in Auction Addicts and the G.I. Joe division of Scott Fishbowl. Again, that's Heath Cummings of CBS Fantasy Sports. You can check him out at Heath Cummings Sr. on Twitter. We'll talk to you soon, Keith. Thank you. Folks, Kyle here. I'm a physical therapist and a fantasy football junkie. I've been doing Dynasty for a year, and I joined the Dynasty Warzone Patreon about six months ago. And never have I felt more comfortable with having Memphis, Jerry, and the guys in the patron chat help me with buys, sells, and navigating free agency and rookie draft. I can't recommend them enough. 
and so join the Patreon, because if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs>